Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go on this uh, steamy, hot, uh, was it Tuesday? Gee, I'm... I'm already a day behind. Tuesday, it's a short week in the CFL for the Rough Riders. They get back at it Friday against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, This show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Thanks to the big voice, Al Murdoch. I am Michael Ball, and I'm joined across from me by uh, Colson Schultz, who is... uh, Coming out of the bullpen to relieve Sean Kleisiger today, who's getting a much-needed day off. Thanks to Colson for coming in here. You can always weigh in on the show. We love your interaction. I'm going to do something here in a little bit. Uh, we uh, called the segment. We haven't done it for a bit. You ask, and I answer. 936-6262, or you can reach out at me at, at the Real Ballsy on Twitter. Uh, at Sports Cage, however you want to do it. Um, and uh, I'll get to some of your questions. Uh, probably mostly CFL-related, but I'll try to answer anything sports-wise that I can do for you. Not to say I'm an expert, but uh, I do have an opinion, as you know. Um, our text line's powered by the Capital Auto Group. It is 936-6262. It's also the number to call locally or toll-free out-of-town 1-866-767-0620. We're going to hear from Coach Craig Dickinson. Uh, Eric Lofton, who uh, got his start at right tackle for the Riders. They did a great job, only giving up two sacks against an athletic Edmonton Elks defensive line. Um, we'll also hear from Jake Winicky and uh, others. So uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to get to a new segment with the Professor Don Hewitt, who's on our pre- and post-game show and sometimes here on the Sports Cage. He will be bi-weekly with his... Huey's heroes and zeros. Two heroes and two zeros from the week previous. So two things he liked, two things he didn't like about week one in the CFL. We'll also go to Winnipeg and hear from veteran reporter Jeff Hamilton about the goings-on with the Bombers coming here on Friday and the Winnipeg Jets. Everybody wants to leave the Jets, it seems. And Glenn Suter before the show is done. So uh, Coach Dickinson did meet with the media, and we'll get to him in a few minutes. But uh, Coach Dickinson did say that uh, he expects Trevor Harris to play. Now, Harris did practice sparingly today. The The trainers, under the direction of Greg Mayer, urged, or the athletic therapist, uh, did urge the coaching staff and Trevor Harris just to take it easy today. He does have a hip injury. Coach gave that uh, to us yesterday on the show as he joins us uh, ahead of everybody else. Uh, on the sports cage, and he did tell us that Harris does have a bit of a hip problem, maybe like a hip pointer, as they like to say. They did uh, give Mason Fine all the first-team reps with the offense, and um, initially Harris came on the field without a helmet, then put the helmet on and was throwing on the side. Uh, They do expect him to play on Friday against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in what should be, as uh, our old friend Ed Whalen, the former Saskatchewanian, uh, rest in peace. He used to say it's going to be a ring-a-ding-dong-dandy, and I bet you it will be a ring-a-ding-dong-dandy. So we'll get to uh, some comments from Coach Craig Dickinson momentarily. We also have Pick the Score today, a chance for you to win some tickets to the Rough Riders game, the uh, home opener. That's always a great one to go to. Let's get to other sporting news before we take a break. Patrick Waugh officially stepped down from his roles as head coach GM of the Quebec uh, Ramparts of the QMJHL, the Memorial Cup champs. Uh, does not look 
look like a return to the NHL ranks will be in the cards right now. When asked by the media um, at the press conference on whether any NHL teams have reached out to him regarding a coaching position, he said absolutely none. So there you go. Sale of the Ottawa Senators coming to a close. Group led by Toronto-based businessman Michael Anlauer has... uh, reached an agreement in principle to buy the team 90% of the team. The uh, Melnick uh, daughters, daughters of Eugene Melnick, who passed away, they'll retain 10% of the team. He owns the Hamilton Bulldogs of the OHL and a a minority owner, rather, of the Montreal Canadiens. He'll have to sell that when this sale of the Sens is approved. Uh, 57-year-old, also the founder and chief executive officer of Ann Lauer, a healthcare group. So that um, is the reason why he's got so much money. The Oilers have signed forward Derek Ryan to a two-year contract extension, about $900,000. He was pretty good in the playoffs, bottom six forward for Edmonton. Rangers have hired Peter Laviolette, who won a Stanley Cup with Carolina back in 06 and has bounced around the NHL as a coach since then. He is a seasoned coach, and he'll be their new head coach, replacing Gerard Gallant. Major League Baseball Toronto is at Baltimore. Regina Red Sox home to the Fort McMurray Giants, I think they go by the handle. And uh, the Red Sox have won a total of four in a row, and they're fifth in the power rankings last I saw. Uh, Other CFL news, the Tiger Cats have cut defensive lineman Koiko Botang, 28-year-old, signed with the club in February after missing all of last season with a torn Achilles that he suffered in training camp with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Didn't dress for the club's season opening loss to the Blue Bombers, um, and he is now gone. Calgary Stampeders running back Kadeem Carey was spotted in a walking boot today at practice, will not play against Ottawa on Thursday, and could go on the six-game injured list. He had... Um, 43 yards on seven carries in their season opening loss to the BC Lions. He was an all-star last year. He was saying he could get 2,000 yards rushing this year, but he's going to be out for a while. That running back, um, that running back position is uh, definitely one of the toughest in all of pro sports. No doubt about that. All right. When we come back, we'll get to a more CFL talk. We're going to hear from coach Craig Dickinson as he met with reporters. And once again, keep those texts coming. 936-6262. It's you ask, I answer here on the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, I do appreciate Thanks for making us part of your day. Give us a text. Let us know where you're listening from. And I'll give you a shout-out like we do in the game. We got to so many texts during the football game, I can't get to them all. So, uh... Yeah, give me a shout-out, and I will uh, talk about you for sure. Uh, also, it's You Ask, I Answer. Got this from Don. Don says, hey, guys, curious as to what these rider greats are up to in 2023. Dan Clark, Charleston Hughes. Um, I'm not sure what Dan... I know Dan Clark was an ambassador for the team in the offseason. Uh, I'm not sure if he's still a part of uh, doing that now that the season's uh, ongoing. I know at one point during the pandemic and everything like that, he had worked with Ben Heenan doing some... Um, doing some work on Ben Heenan's farming operation there outside of the city. Uh, I'm not quite sure about Dan Clark. Charleston Hughes, last I heard, was working for an oil company in North Dakota, if I'm not mistaken. So, And they're both still following the CFL, as you know. It's hard to get football out of your blood 
uh, once you're not doing it. So, and especially when you've been doing it at a high level, like those two guys have been doing for a number of years. So yeah, keep the text coming. Nine three six sixty two sixty two, powered by the Capital Auto Group. All right. So, um, Coach Craig Dickinson meets with us. We get him first before anybody else. He did tell us about the hip injury to. Um, Trevor Harris. So the reporters met with him and they do ask him about that. And of course, uh, some unfortunate news about Philip Blake. Let's get to the audio here. Yeah. Uh, we held Trevor back today. I think he's going to be fine. He's got a little hip pointer. Um, and so we just wanted him to watch the other guys work today. It's a short week, so we held him back today. We expect him to practice fully tomorrow. He'll take the reps, number one reps. We expect, we expect him to, yes. It, it, what kind of injury is it? It's a hip. He got a bruise on, bruise on his hip. During a short week, why give him the extra day off early in the season against Winnipeg? He's, he's played a lot of games. and uh, Our training staff recommended it, that he take the day off, so I listened to our training staff. What do you uh, think looking back on that last play on... We just got to execute it better. It's the right call. I mean, the, uh, the you know, I get hired to try to win games and put guys in good situations, and we just didn't execute it very well. In hindsight, I wish he would have thrown it a little sooner because we weren't going to kill all the clock, but we just got to block it better. We put it in on day three last week. Probably should have put it in a little sooner. But we'll play, you know, we'll execute it better, and, and next time the quarterback won't won't take the hit. And Trevor mentioned uh, post-game, you know, the importance of, Punching it in uh, on those short, yeah. uh, short fields, and yeah. when you give up, a, when you settle for a field goal, sometimes it's a short field for the other team going the other way to get up forty. Yeah, you're right. Stressing that out at all? Yep, yep. That's always our message to the team. We want to finish with touchdowns, uh, and we want to hold the opponent to field goals. So that's something we got to work on and hopefully improve on. What did you see out of those drives that maybe just didn't quite get? Uh, no, we just um, down near the goal line. We had usually one negative play where we went backwards, even if it was a yard or two. Um, as we get better, you know, and as we play together more, I think we'll be more efficient in the red zone. I know you didn't ask about the goal line stand, but how huge was that for your defense? That was a game winner, you know. That along, and then along with the subsequent drive to, to run out the clock won us the game. So I was proud of the guys. We saved our best for last. Is there an injury update on Darrell Walker? No, we don't. We'll have more tomorrow probably on him. But we, we held him out today. And uh, Braden Lenius also... We haven't talked to you since he got put on the six game. Yeah, so he's a he's a six six game guy. We expect to have him after six games. And you, Philip Blake. Uh, Philip Blake, same thing. Well, he's going to be he's gone for a while. So a um, we hope not, but it's going to be a long term injury for sure. Is it still a pec strain or is it a tear? Or? It's it's a pec it's a pec tear. Tear. Yeah. So he had to have surgery. What was uh, what was your thoughts on some of those guys who saw their first CFL action in that game? Jackson Ford, Lake yeah. Moore? Yeah, I thought they did a nice job. You know, it wasn't too big for them. I, you know, there was some definitely some rookie mistakes, Britain, but uh, for the most part, we were really happy with our young players. We felt like they stepped up and made plays when they had the opportunity. You mentioned second-year guys last week when you were talking about yeah. Dalkey, and then how do you feel about his performance? Yeah, game? how about that? Yeah, second-year players. That's usually when you see it, Britt, and uh, Dalkey had a an exceptional football game. Some more second-year players, uh, Demarcus Christmas and Miles Brown, they're playing uh, yeah. on Sunday, and you think you're reaping the benefits of them playing. Yeah, year. no doubt. The D-line played really well as a group, and a lot of them are second-year guys, so we were very pleased. You're a special teams guy. Adam Corsack had that punt that went out the one. Mm -hmm. your, your thoughts of what he needs yeah. to improve on and stuff? <laughs> well, he's a, little bit, uh, he's a little bit wild back there because he's used to playing you know, Australian football, and he, he sometimes looks like he's going to take off and run with it. Um, so we just got to get him dialed in a little bit more on staying in the pocket. 
but boy, what a first game for him. And uh, nothing seems too big for Adam. You can tell he's he's cool as a cucumber back there. You what mentioned, kind of, sorry, you know, I was going to say, you mentioned the O-line play, trying to settle on a group of five. What did you think about that group? Yeah, I thought they played well. You know, we certainly got things we can improve on, but I thought that five competed hard. They were physical and they played together. What kind of challenge does Winnipeg got? They got, oh boy, they check all the boxes. I mean, it's a veteran team that played very well in game one. They got all their their, their superstars playing well and clicking. So it's going to be a big test for us. And um, we're excited to do it, though. You know, it's fun to see how you measure up, especially early in the season against the best team in the league. How important is sort of the measuring stick, stick aspect? As much as every mm -hmm. team in every game is a barometer, yeah. does this one have an elevated yeah. sense? Yeah, because if you're going to get to the Great Cup, you got to go through Winnipeg. So we'll see how we do. I mean, we're, we're excited about our group, and um, we're looking forward to the challenge. It'll be a big challenge. I think the uh, I think the Riders can hang with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in terms of the defense. Defense is pretty strong. Um, depending on the depth chart looks, uh, the linebacking core might be a little thin, but uh, if they can uh, continue to play like they did last week, um, I tell you what. Uh, they, they definitely can hang with the best team in the West, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We're not talking enough about the fact that the Riders stopped the Bombers three times from the one-yard line, <laughs> and you got to give a yard. And the Riders last year were terrible with going offside in that exact situation. So kudos to the Riders defense under Jason Shivers. Kudos to the Riders under Coach Craig Dickinson with regards to um, being buttoned up penalty-wise. Um, it is... a uh, it was a slobber knocker of a football game. Real tough physical football game. Uh, I think people are underestimating underestimating how good Edmonton's going to be. If Taylor Cornelius can figure out how to be consistent, they're going to be a dangerous football team. In fact, I was asked today, what do you think of uh, Edmonton at BC? I think the Elks are going to beat BC in that much ballyhooed season opener. I do. I got a feeling Edmonton is going to go in there and beat BC. I don't think BC's as good as they were last year, and I don't think Edmonton's as bad as we think they are. A lot of people are like, oh, ballsy, you got the Riders fourth. And I'll get into that in the mailbag here in a bit. You got the Riders fourth on your power ranking. They beat a crappy Edmonton team. It was a good, that's a decent Edmonton team. Um, and the Riders are going to be a decent team. Unfortunately, the Riders are starting with injuries. Now, Derek Moncrief, don't know if he's going to play this week. He was out of practice today. Philip Blake does have that pectoral tear, and you heard Coach say he had surgery, and he'll be gone for at least six weeks. Lenius, sounds like he's not coming back till after six weeks. And uh, Darrell Walker, he's a guy that uh, has been off to a great start this year. He's on the, he's on the uh, north side of 30. And so Father Time catches us all. Um, so he's nicked up. Don't know how long he's or if he's going to be out even for this week. We'll find out more tomorrow, as the coach said. And it looks like Trevor Harris will play uh, in the game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I talked to Trevor after the game, and he was adamant that that's the worst he's going to play this year. He was absolutely fed up with his play. He thought that was a inexcusable interception that, led to the goal line stand for the Riders when um, Niles Morgan picked it off and took it to the Rider 22. Um, so good on Trevor. Good accountability. Kudos to him for being a good leader, and that's part of the reason why they brought him in here on a two-year contract over a million bucks. Uh, we got this text from Brian from uh, Flagler Beach, Florida. I'm flying up for my first Rider game ever tomorrow. 
Oh, Brian, that's awesome, man. Why don't you go buy the Harvard Studio 620, um, which is uh, the area where we're set up with our pregame show with Daniela Ponticelli, Don Hewitt, and Wes Cates, and make sure you tell them where you're from and say hi. It's awesome you're coming up. I like Brian. Text me nine three six sixty two sixty two. Like, are you a Saskatchewan? Well, you can't be a. Well, no, that's not true. You could be a Saskatchewanian that never saw a Ryder game, or are you a a true blue Floridian that's coming up to watch a CFL game? I'd like to know a little more about your story, Brian. Or hell, give us a call one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. I'll put you on the air. Nine three six sixty two sixty two is our our uh, local number. Uh, this one is from Jamie. Formerly of Moose Jaw, living in Tofino, BC. Always listening out here in beautiful Tofino. Going to be hitting three rider games in a row this year, all in different cities Vancouver, Halifax, and then versus Ottawa in Regina. Going to be a great season of football. Go riders. I think it will be too. Hey, adversity hits every team. Hits them in different spots. Last year, Winnipeg didn't have a lot of adversity till the end of the year when their quarterback got hurt. And that, I think, ultimately, besides the blocked field goal by Toronto, cost them their third straight uh, Grey Cup championship. So uh, it happens. Maybe get the adversity out of the way early here uh, for the Rough Riders. But it's going to be a tough test early on. Week two, Friday. Our coverage begins at four here. From Mosaic Stadium, kickoff just after 7. By the way, $100,000 minimum jackpot for the 50-50 being seated by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. So, uh, yeah, make sure you uh, get your tickets online at riderville.com. You could still buy them in person at the stadium, but a minimum $100,000 jackpot. we got lots of CFL news to get to, lots of other sports talk too, including we'll talk to a great Indigenous athlete in our Indigenous Sports Spotlight coming up soon. Plus, a new segment with Don Hewitt, the professor. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. The sports ticker here, and uh, I want to tell you that in Florida tonight, I checked that in Vegas tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights have an opportunity to win their first Stanley Cup and uh, their first Stanley Cup tonight. It's uh, the fifth game, the Vegas Golden Knights against the Florida Panthers, and Matthew Kachuk will be a game-time decision. Although the coach said that, uh, Paul Marie said that, hey, it's a game-time decision for you, media types, but I already know if he's going to play or not play. He has an undisclosed injury, only took four shifts in the third period of their loss uh, uh, the last game. I wanted to say a couple days ago, but I'm all messed up with the schedule. But uh, the last time they played, which would have been, uh, I guess that would have been uh, Saturday night uh, in Florida. He only took four shifts. Blue Jays play the uh, Baltimore Orioles today. And, uh, hey, yeah, the uh, Nuggets, first ever NBA championship yesterday. You might hear that in our clutch performance, but that is your sports ticker. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball, my co-host, but mostly producer Colson Schultz, joining me here just ahead of our Indigenous Sports Spotlight. Let's go to the phones. Brian had sent me a text at 936-6262, said he's coming up from Florida to watch the game. Now, Brian, tell us your backstory. Are you a Floridian? Uh, why is this your first rider game? Uh, I live in Florida. I'm originally from New York, and uh, I've been following the riders for quite some time. 
what people uh, under the age of 50 don't realize, when ESPN first started, they had a doctor programming, but one of the things they had was the CFL, and that's how I uh, became interested in it. And and so you became interested in the riders then, or are you just a well, CFL you, fan you in general? Team, don't you, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> you have to pick a team to support, and uh, that was the team I picked. And uh, as a matter of fact, I got my share of uh, the team, so I got my little owner's card. That's so, awesome. That's it, awesome, man. So who was, your, who was the first rider you loved? Uh, Ray Elgard. Nice. Awesome. How old are you, Brian? If, Brian, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, a little shy of 54. Yeah, and I'm 50. There's nothing to matter with that, man. We're still young, guys. Come on, man. We're still young. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, you make sure when you come up here, you stop by. We got uh, we got a real nice stadium. People say it reminds you of like a mini NFL stadium. And in there, we got this glass area between two restaurants. And we got a high-rise uh, uh, seated area for our pregame show. Make sure you stop by and say hi to the gang. Take a picture, okay? All right, well, I'd love to. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate the hospitality. Yeah, thanks for listening, bud. Appreciate it. Safe travels up here. Hopefully there's no flight delays or anything like that. Thanks, man. Take care, bud. Oh, I wouldn't bet on that. (laughs) Take care. Take care, man. Awesome. All right, so let us get to our Indigenous Sports Spotlight right now. This is the Indigenous Sports Spotlight. Each month on the Sports Cage, we highlight an athlete, coach, or builder who is gaining attention both on and off the playing surface. All right, and uh, we want to acknowledge here, just give me one second before we get to our great athlete here, I wanted to get to uh, my sponsor for this thing because, you know, we got to have sponsors, and these guys are proud to get on board. Freeze Tallman, sponsoring the Indigenous Sports Spotlight since 1956. Freeze Tallman's been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And please welcome to the show, Sean Kakakaway. Sean, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Awesome. Hey, I got a I got this number from Bruce Kahn, who's a coach over at Johnson. Uh you know who Bruce is, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been playing football, man? Uh since grade nine. Grade nine. And what got you yeah. into foot what got you into football over there at uh, FW Johnson? All the program, you know, all the coaches and that were all friendly. And you know, my dad encouraged me to try it out and it was like a fun sport. Yeah. So was that the? So what? What do you like best about football, man? I guess the players. You know, they're all, all, every team I've been on. They're, they're all friendly. Even the people I play against. Mm-hmm. It's a, a good community. Yeah. Did you start at high school or did you play RMF before you went to high school? No, I just started at high school. Awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you're six four, three hundred and twenty five pounds. A big offensive lineman now, and you're with the Regina Thunder. Why did you decide to continue your career with the Thunder, Sean? Mm, you know, I like football, so you know, I wanted to try it out second level. Mm-hmm. And it was it's actually fun, you know, yeah. to meet all these new people and getting to play at like a higher level, seeing how different it is, like a big shift from high school to. Um, you know, uh, city teams, I guess. Yeah. So what's it, what's it yeah. been? What's it been like going up? At, you know, probably working out with the Thunder. What's been the biggest uh, adjustment for you so far? Uh, biggest adjustment, you know, the commitment that you have to put into it. You know, it's not as in high school. It's like you're, you go there. Um, how do you say it? Just basically, uh, you know, pre- more y- yeah, yeah, you more have to put more time into it, time and effort into it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, have you played any other sports, Sean, before football? 
Uh, I used to play. I was a goaltender for hockey. Oh <laughs> wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What, what's your best? What's your best trait or attribute as an offensive lineman? Like, what what do you think you're best at? Best at? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, what are you good at as an offensive lineman? Are you physical? Are you aggressive? What do you like best about uh, what you do? I think I'm uh, physical. I guess because mm-hmm. of my, how do I say it, from my um, my size. I guess compared to everyone else. Yeah. When did you realize when did you realize you were the biggest guy? You know what I mean? Like you're a big, big dude. Have you always been the biggest guy? All in grade nine, I was like a small guy. I was I was like just six feet back then. But once I got like taller, I like, I, like all my coaches told me I was like one of the biggest guys in the league. You know, I didn't know that, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like the underdog because in grade nine I got thrown around. Do you have yeah, a- after like after like grade like twelve year, mm-hmm. I knew that I was like bigger than like everyone else. You know. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you have any aspirations, any goals besides playing uh, junior football? Like, do you see yourself playing pro football one day? No, uh, yeah, that's one of my goals. My dad tells me that it's like a goal that it's like that I could go for. You know, I think it's in my in my my. I say. My dad thinks like it's a possible goal that I could achieve. Well, we hope you do, man. It's great having you on, Sean Kakakaway. You're our Indigenous Sports Spotlight Athlete of the Week. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. We're going to take a break, and uh, you know what? We'll be back with Don Hewitt in a moment here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. This is Football 101, a look at CFL news and notes with the Professor Don Hewitt. Tuesday's show is brought to you by Sask Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. And as you heard, the Professor Don Hewitt on the show now. Um, I had Jeff Heck do this last year, but because of work commitments, he can't. So instead of Heck's Heroes and Zeros, it's going to be Huey's Heroes and Zeros, our first installment where you pick two things you like, player, coach, uh, referee, uh, who knows, announcer, two things you liked and two things you didn't like from uh, the uh, fall or the uh, previous week's efforts in the CFL. So let's go back to week number one, Don. We'll start with your first hero. Give me your first hero. Well, other than you doing an outstanding job <laughs> of the Rough Rider play-by-play on radio, uh, you're a hero. But my first hero would be Kelly Jeffrey and Andre Bulldog who sort of uh, or basically run the Rough Rider running game and how they changed their blocking schemes in the fourth quarter in Edmonton uh, in order to uh, really salt away that game because the, the, the scheme change worked. They ran the ball, Jamal Morrow with 80 yards at the end of the day, and it really salted uh, the tilt away because they chewed up clock uh, their new sort of strategy looked like they ran away from the center of the Elks penetrating defensive line, angled off would-be tacklers. They found room, you know, outside and inside the tackle and basically, uh, you know, just fooled Chris Jones, who, of course, is the defensive coordinator of the Edmonton Elks with his change of, of blocking scheme. It didn't seem like... Uh, the Elks were ready for it. 
So Bulldog and Jeffrey get hero awards for just a great, a great run game in the fourth quarter after being stymied for the first three. I just want to throw in to tail uh, to uh, piggyback that Don. Um, 103 yard drive that sets up a field goal after they were backed up at the one. And then after the goal line stand from the three, they use that ground game you talked about to basically salt the game away. Those are two back breaking drives. And they did it with a patchwork offensive line. I mean, if you take a look at what the Rough Riders thought they were going to have as a starting offensive line, probably they only were playing two starters from the plan. In other words, you know, uh, they had Godber at center, Furland at right guard, and the other three weren't really expected to start on the offensive line. So not only did they do a great job in changing the, the blocking schemes, they did a great job with, you know, three offensive linemen that they didn't think would make their team as starters. Evan Johnson, uh, you know, wasn't really penciled in as a starter, he had some fire under his butt, and he showed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice for Evan Johnson at, at guard there to be part of that in, in running the ball down Edmonton's throat. So we call this heroes and zeros, and I want to put a little disclaimer on it. It's not like we're saying uh, this person's no good or these people are no good. They're professional coaches, players, whatever, in football. So Don and I... About their greatness, but the name of the segment is Heroes and Zeros. So, give me your, give me your first negative outlook and what you saw uh, in Week One. Okay, my first zero is is the CFL and the problems they keep having with technology. <laughs> um, you know, and it's nothing to do with the Rough Riders per se, but it's got something to do with they never seem to be ready when they sort of uh, you know make the statements that this is what they're going to have on a certain date with technologies. Of course, they were going to have lifetime stats ready to roll, uh, a much better overall sort of package uh, of statistics, and they had lots of trouble with it, still haven't got it ironed out after you would think working on it all winter. I think they will figure it out, but it would be nice if they could figure out something just for once that actually worked from the get-go. And another example of that, streaming the preseason. It, this was novel to start doing it this year. What about five years ago? Why weren't they streaming the preseason five years ago? So it's just that the, the technology that they try never seems to work. I know you don't expect them to be doing NFL fantasy football technology at all because of their uh, limited budget compared to the behemoth of the NFL, but at least, you know, when you're going to say this is going to be ready, try for once to have it ready. So sort of a shot at the CFL I agree. The technologies. I agree because even The Rock's money-losing XFL at $60 million in losses did a heck of a lot better job. We've been waiting for this genius sports for two years, and to be quite honest with you, uh, very subpar to this point. All right, Don Hewitt, Huey's zeros, heroes and zeros. What do you got for your next hero, my friend? Uh, my hero is the rider coaching staff, particularly in the defensive side, who decided to dress an unprecedented nine defensive linemen. I've never seen a team dress nine defensive linemen. Now, some of them, a couple of them, of course, were playing on all four special teams and they didn't necessarily play in the D-line, but 
They dominated the line of scrimmage. They pushed around and bullied the Elks offensive line, if I can say that, because I think they, they did, in fact, do that. They won the line of scrimmage. As a result, the secondary looked a lot better uh, because there was less time for Cornelius to throw the football. They got that goal line stand, which is one of the coolest things I've seen the Rough Riders do in, in quite a while. And uh, probably a Mullender matchup possibility for Friday when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders host Winnipeg will be how that defensive line that's stacked with Americans uh, will do against the Winnipeg O-line, who are better than the Edmonton O-line. But I got, I, I'll got i say this, I think the Winnipeg O-line, for the first time in three or four years, are going to have some trouble with the Saskatchewan defensive front. And if they can shut down Oliveira and the Winnipeg rushing attack, it could get real interesting Friday night at Mosaic Stadium. Oh, I think it's going to be a close game, and I absolutely agree with you, Don. And we were talking so much about the Trevor Harris play at the end of the game. Fans calling in, people blowing up Twitter. Whoever made that call should be fired. And not concentrating enough on the fact that the Rough Riders made three stops at their one-yard line, Don. Yeah. And you got to give a yard off of the ball in the CFL, and an Achilles heel of this team last year was going offside in those situations, and they didn't. Right, and, and that was great. And I, I credit the addition, or the re-addition, if you want to say it that way, of Micah Johnson, uh, leadership in the center of that D-line. You know darn well that Micah Johnson is screaming and yelling at people about where their finger is and that it's not touching anything that's green. And uh, the leadership that came into the locker room, the lack of leadership that exited the locker room showed right there and then no offsides and on the goal line stand and, of course, less penalties. So, I mean, it was a great job by Ryder head coach Craig Dickinson and his staff. A great job that they did in Edmonton. They get a gold star. And all anybody talked about at the time on our postgame show and in the media, in fact, the Globe and Mail, they, they rarely write about the CFL. They did a column on the last, that, that last play <laughs> where Trevor Harris got hit killing the clock. And I thought, you do you you came up with that yeah. in one of your rare CFL columns at the Globe and Mail, like you know, I I, I thought it was overblown. Yeah, personally, about overblown a lot about that last play, and the great things that the Rough Riders did at times didn't seem to be mentioned. Yeah, and lastly, Huey Don, you at the professor, your last zero in heroes and zeros. My zero is the Calgary Stampeder marketing team. Huh. Uh, I mean, they have not had that team in the community for years. I mean, you know, the University of Calgary Dinosaur football team, for example, have a huge sports dinner as their main fundraiser. John Hopnagel, I don't believe, from what I've been told, has never even been there. Nobody from the Stamps shows up. Uh, three people with close ties to the Stamps, who were recently inducted into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. Now, do you think anybody from the Stampeders showed up? No. Nobody was showing up. I mean, I don't know exactly what they had 
in their home opener against the BC Lions. I'm guessing fifteen. They said se- they said they, they said seventeen. So it's hard to say. They said seventeen thousand is what they said. Right, and this team hasn't been in the community for several decades. I mean, John Hopnagel, at one time his position was president and CEO of the franchise. He's a football guy. He's he only thinks and cares about football. Fine. Uh, that let him do that, but bring in more employees or bring in, you know, a Victor Qui who can get thirty two thousand uh to the Elks home opener with a team that hasn't won now in eighteen straight home games. And the Stampeders show up with that, it's because, you know, I know the stadium isn't great. I understand that. But a city that size, they're hitting one point six million people in 2023 in Calgary and you can't get more people like that into your stands and that's what happens when you don't have the team in the community and have a presence in the community they don't and it's their own fault I agree Don lastly before I let you go uh, I think you're on the same wing uh, wavelength as me I don't know that the riders will win although I did pick them on uh, in the huddle on access communication so I did do that I think it's going to be a close game like I, I wouldn't be shocked if the riders won this game I totally agree uh, you know in taking look a look at their home opener they looked very good no question about it particularly in that first quarter but you know I think Hamilton uh, what you forget is uh, they lost some good players to get some good players, and you could see some of the deficiencies in what they lost. And, I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell did not look good at all at quarterback. He missed probably three touchdown passes on that bomber secondary that he likely should have had. It's interesting that if you take a look at the history of John Hoffnagel and Dave Dickinson, to date, they haven't been wrong in a quarterback decision. You know, any anybody that left the team as a quarterback – has never done all that well. They're very smart about quarterbacks. Uh, Trevor Harris isn't going to miss all those passes. That's for sure. So I would not be surprised either if if Saskatchewan pulled off a victory. I wouldn't be surprised if Winnipeg did either. But I think it's going to be a good football game. It's going to be a nice night out. It's going to be a great evening at Mosaic Stadium. This has been fun, Don. Our first round of uh, Heroes and Zeros with Don Hewitt. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, have a good one, Ballsy. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Love Don Hewitt. He joins Daniela Ponticelli and Wes Cates for our pre- and post-game show on the Rough Rider Radio Network right here on 620 CKRM. Our coverage begins Friday just after 4, like right around 4. And then um, they'll join you after the game for the Sports Cage Radio Roundtable. Heroes and Zeros with the Professor Don Hewitt. I call this segment, You Ask, I Answer, to the best of my ability. So here we go. This one comes to us at 936-6262 from um, Sarah. Trevor Harris, Ballsy, evaluate his performance for me. Um, he gets a 
B minus. Uh, he had a touchdown dropped in the end zone by Emelis. Emelis got to catch that one. He had two bad interceptions, especially that second one. As coach said, he probably should have got rid of the ball a little earlier to avoid getting hit on that last play, which has led to a hip pointer for him, and he was limited in practice today. But he was just trying to be that tough team guy to, to milk the clock, so I can't fault him for that. And he took ownership of his, what he called, inexcusable play. So Trevor Harris gets a B-. minus. I expect great things from him. Remember, he only had four snaps in the preseason. Okay, four snaps. I actually would have seen would have rather seen the Riders play him more and Phillip Blake Less Philip Blake is on the shelf with a torn pec muscle now, had surgery, and is at least gone for the six games. So thanks, Sarah, for that text. Uh, this one, uh, do you think the Riders have enough speed in the receiving core from Scott? Jury's still out on that one. I think uh, Sean Bain Jr.'s quick. I don't know how fast he is, but the jury's still out. I haven't really paid. When when they're on other teams, you don't really pay attention much to them uh, as much as you would if they're on your team all the time. I think Sean Bain is elusive. I think he's very quick. Um, he can shake and bake. I don't know how fast he is. I don't know if the riders, right now I would say no. But I'll say incomplete right now. That's what I'll say, Scott. Uh, and Darrell Walker didn't practice today. We'll know more about his status tomorrow. But he's not a speed guy anymore. And uh, one more here. Um, which graybeard quarterback will have a better bounce-back game, Harris or Bo Levi Mitchell, your buddy from Nevin? Uh, yeah, interesting. Um I would say Trevor Harris is more my buddy now than Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, both of those guys were in the same circumstance. Both guys were learning a new offense. Both guys got limited reps in the preseason. I always, especially on offense, treat the preseason or the uh, first two games of the regular season like they're still an extension of the preseason. I start judging guys more by week three, week four, to be quite honest with you. Um Honestly, I think Trevor Harris, and not because I'm the voice of the Riders, I think the Riders have a better overall offense than the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, I'd say the offensive lines going into the season may be a little edge to Hamilton. They didn't look good against Winnipeg, and the Riders are on their third depth chart for for the offensive line to start the season. Hoping to get Hawkins back from his personal matters in the States maybe this week. Probably won't be ready for the game. And Colin Kelly for that Calgary game, uh, the the third game of the year, coming off suspension. So uh, hopefully the Riders can continue to do what they did against Edmonton. They held a very athletic Elks defense at bay. Only two quarterback sacks, although Winnipeg's a whole different ball of wax. Okay, our 10th texter at 936-6262. you got to give us all your information. Give us me, Give me your name, full name. Give me your contact, like your email, obviously, and your cell phone number. Give me the score. Who's going to win the game, and what's the score? It's Sastel pick the score. I'll give you more details on the other side. But the 10th texter that we pick, 936-6262. You're going to the Ryder game versus the Blue Bombers. Here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go with our two of the Sports Cage shows brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. Uh, you can get a hold of us, 936-6262. That's our text line, powered by the Capital Auto Group. 
You can also um, call that number locally, or you can uh, call us one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. We're trying to get a hold of Arash Madani or Coast to Coast segment. He wanted to uh, jump on today with regards to. Um, the NBA championship yesterday. He was there to watch the Denver Nuggets come up with a big 94-89 win over the Miami Heat. Nikola Jokic was the Bill Russell Award winner's playoff MVP. First time in NBA playoff history that a player led the postseason in points, rebounds, and assists. And I love what he did yesterday. After they won the game, he um, didn't celebrate until he had shaken everybody else's uh till he had shaken everybody's hand every player and staff member on the Miami Heat's hands he shook their hands first then celebrated and was very unassuming and i it actually was refreshing he's like i love when they asked him after the game he's like yeah we just we celebrate we go home we celebrate time to go home now want to go home he wants to ride horses and do his thing also love the fact jamal murray had 14 points coming back from a serious knee injury at a nice moment with the owner stan Kroenke hugging there and uh saying thanks for sticking with me man and i i love the nuggets that they um that they developed their own guys especially those two uh stars homegrown drafted guys stuck with them developed them Jokic was picked during a Taco Bell commercial on the NBA broadcast that's how down the ladder he was and uh, nice to see Jamal Murray from Kitchener Ontario be that uh another I guess, beacon of inspiration for young Canadian basketball players. And congratulations to our friend Rob Vanstone, who is with the Riders now, longtime Denver Nuggets fan, um, and he is celebrating they win a championship. I don't think his Winnipeg Jets will ever win a championship. Hopefully his Saskatchewan Rough Riders will. Now, we had picked the score. Here's what happens, and I believe we're doing this the rest of the week too. We got you to text in today, our 10th texter and we had many texters but we got this guy's our 10th texter it's james hamilton he has picked the riders to win 23 to 20 so james you've won two tickets to the riders blue bombers game plus if you are closest to picking the score for the week you get a 200 dollars gift card to sastel and you'll be in the running at the end of the year for a sweet experience. Not sweet, S-W-E-E-T, but S-U-I-T-E. You and three friends will go, or you and three family members, or whoever the heck you want to bring. You and three people will be going to watch a rider game in a suite next year in 2024. Um you have a Rash's number there. Text him. He says he's ready when we are, but we've been trying to call him four times. So just text him and ask him where he is. I don't have any idea. Let us get to uh, some more of your uh, texts at 936-6262. I got this from uh, Rick in Weyburn. Rick says, hey, Ballsy, a uh, couple of, well, here, Ballsy, I can't say the other thing because it's personal and I want to keep it off the air, but he does say this. Hey, Ballsy, is Noah Zerns uh, signed anywhere? Noah Zern was a draft pick of the BC Lions, not this past draft, but the draft before. Played with the U of S Huskies from the Yorkton area, if I'm not mistaken. And he went to the Lions and was cut in camp. I don't know if the Riders are looking at him, um, to be honest with you, Rick, and I don't know if he has been signed anywhere. To my knowledge, he has not. But thanks for the text, Rick in Weyburn. Uh, also, uh, we got this. Hey, Ballsy, do you think the Riders will pull an upset on Friday? Do you, do you think they'll pull an upset on Friday? Um, that's from Dean. 
yeah, I... I said on access that they will, but I'm. It all depends how Trevor Harris is feeling. Although his hip pointer should not affect his mobility or anything like that, because he's not a mobile quarterback to begin with. Although he did have a beautiful run up the, um, he did have a beautiful run up the uh, middle of the football field for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders when they were back down at the three yard line. So. Um, yeah, so I, I I think the Riders can. I think their defense is going to do a great job. Um, but uh, offense, I'm not so sure. Uh, is still in doubt uh, with Harris being banged up. And Darrell Walker, of course, didn't practice today, so we shall see. I believe it was my fault. They gave Colson the wrong number, so he's dialing Arash Madani, and we will uh, endeavor to get a hold of him quickly here for a couple of minutes. Okay. I think we do have a rash. Thanks, Dean, for that. Um, I say the Riders, uh, 28-24. It's going to be a very uh, interesting uh, measuring stick for the Rough Riders. Okay, let's get to a rash Madani uh, live from the NBA Final if we can. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Late than never, Arash Madani joins us for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gawley at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. I'd love to uh, blame somebody else, but I'll blame myself. Again, you think I'd know your number off by heart, Madani? Um, hey, I was talking about this. I love the fact that uh, the way Jokic celebrated, it's refreshing. Oh, man. Wasn't it, though? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, my favorite part was when... You know, after they'd finished all their media obligations and they're, you know, really had their goggles going and had the big champagne bottles in their hands, they go into the back and somebody on their phone captured Jokic grabbing Jamal Murray and throwing him in the hot tub. And then he jumped in and another player jumped in, like just unbridled joy, Baldy, like nothing beats winning. Nothing. Yeah. So um, let's talk about his greatness. It's the first time in NBA history, playoff history, I think I read it right, that somebody's led the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists, and it goes to the Joker. It goes to the Joker. It goes to the dude who had more triple-doubles than anyone in the history of the NBA playoffs. And, I mean, like, I, I I think to really understand just how wild this is, like the best playoffs ever by anybody, um... Let's go back to when he was drafted, Balti, eight years ago. He was a second-round pick. When Denver announced his name, nobody saw him get drafted because ESPN was in commercial, and it was during a Taco Bell ad. Mm-hmm. That's how irrelevant he was. I mean, the Joker was, was a dude who played, like, we see him make all these passes and how well he distributes the ball. And, he, and you know how he has the ball up in the air the way he does, kind of looking around, directing traffic? That comes because of a water polo background. Wow. And and when he got drafted, he didn't even think he was going to come to the NBA. Nikola Jokic did not watch the American League. He, he watched the EuroLeague, Eurobasket, and there was a Spanish team that had his rights, kind of like Neglis rights in the CFL. And so Jokic goes to Spain and plays a game, and the scouts are watching him. And he 
had one of the worst games of his life, scored like four points, grabbed three rebounds, and the scouts were like, who's this guy? We don't want him around. Mm -hmm. And that's how he ended up in Denver. Yeah, I'll tell you what. What I find interesting about this, Arash, and it's cool, you got two international players, like, well, players that aren't in America. You got Jamal Murray from Kitchener, Ontario, who had a nice moment with Stan Kroenke saying, thanks for sticking with me. Uh, And then you had Jokic. That that is a great. What's their relationship? Like, you talk about the hot tub incident, but what kind of of friendship do they have? They're boys. They, They genuinely like one another. And here's the thing about Jokic and why this works. Both you know this being around sports. A, a franchise, a team, goes by the heartbeat of its star player. When Bill Belichick could yell at Tom Brady back in the day, that meant that Bill Belichick could yell at anybody, and Brady was okay with it. Jokic is the most unselfish player on the floor. So then everybody has to follow in line. And Jamal Murray was even saying last night afterwards, he said at some point last night, I went up to him and I said, hey, man, like shoot the ball. Like, like You don't need to pass it. You don't need to look to pass first. But he said that's just the kind of dude he is. But together they understand how well they accompany one another, how well they, you know, mm-hmm. they can complement one another. And look at what they've done. By the way, Ballsy, I was thinking about this last night. I, I have a solution to the NBA's, I think the NBA's All-Star game is the second worst after the Pro Bowl. Make it USA versus the world. Yeah. Actually, and I think, I think then dudes will care a little more. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Hey, Arash Madani for Coast to Coast, uh, Smart Investing Solutions, and our friend Brian Golly. Um the NBA is a star-driven league. Jokic is a star, but he doesn't want to be a star. So I don't know yeah. if they're too enamored with that. And it's always better when you have, I think, a superpower you're trying to knock off. Like, everybody hates Winnipeg now in the CFL because, you know, it used to be we hated Calgary and Edmonton and BC out here for the Riders. Now we absolutely despise Winnipeg because they were nothing burger for 29 years. And now they're the... they're the, a problem? Yeah, now they're the <laughs> team to beat the Denver Nuggets it's now been five straight years with five different NBA championships can we get it back-to-back champion here I think they have the best chance of any of the teams that have won to do it like let's remember the Raptors won in 19 then Kawhi didn't come back the Lakers won in the bubble but by the time they won it was like September so the turnaround was so small Milwaukee won in 21. The Bucks haven't been the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Golden State, they're an old team. And, like, when you win and you have to get into what now, middle of June? If you miss the playoffs or get eliminated in the first round, your offseason is two months shorter. Two months shorter to recover, two months shorter to get ready. But I look at this Denver team, Ballsy, and their core, their homegrown core of Jokic, of Murray, of Michael Porter, of Christian Brown. I, I just look at that nucleus. They're probably going to lose Bruce Brown, but you know Bruce Brown's replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think they have the best shot of anybody in a long time since the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant prime years of repeating. I want to get a couple of CFL thoughts in here once before we're done. <laughs> can, I, can I laugh at you a bit? 
Ta- Taylor Cornelius MVP MOP. Oh, yeah. Get out of here, Arash. I was waiting for that. Get I was waiting for that. Get out of here, Arash. Get out. There's a reason why a six foot five quarterback's in the CFL. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought he was going to be a lot better than that. And granted, it's one game and yep. um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I wasn't expecting that. And look, he may rebound and have a decent year, but <laughs> it's amazing how important opening night is. And it all be yeah. like just just because that's that's your first glimpse, and your the overreactions from week one are just amazing. Yeah, they are. You know what? And to be quite honest with you, Arash, I picked the uh, Edmonton. I think Edmonton's going to beat BC. I think he's going to have that. That's Taylor Cornelius, up and down, up and down. I think he's going to have a great game in BC, and I think the Elks are going to go in and they're going to win because uh, I think they're better than a lot of people give them credit for. And lastly. Last so, so hold on. So yeah. the question becomes, okay, yeah. June, July, August, if there's stormy waters, if it's up and down, yeah. that's one thing. Yeah. What's he going to be in the fall? I know. That, that's the question. That's the question. And you don't want to overreact to one week. But the Argos had a bye week, and the Argos have yeah. a very good team, and they're the, the defending Grey Cup champs. But they've, they've got a real nice race car, but I'm not sure about the driver. What are you hearing about Chad Kelly? I hear... And granted, they haven't played a game yet. They haven't lost a game yet. I hear only really good things about Chad Kelly. But he has gone in there, and he had a year to learn the offense, you know, the backup to McLeod Bethel-Thompson, but has taken the command of the offense in camp. He's a good decision-maker in camp. He's doing all the things they've wanted him to do in practice and in preseason games. What's he going to be when the lights come on? But in terms of balls, you know how this is, in terms of being a franchise quarterback, in terms of leading a team, in terms of having a voice, in terms of doing all those things, I'm told Chad Kelly is it. Here's part of the problem. And this is important because every team, no team goes the entire season with with their starter wire to wire, it seems these days. The Argos have no idea who their number two is. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, a lot of teams are in that boat. Hey, Arash, thanks for your time, man. Good job uh, covering the NBA final. Appreciate you, Balzi. Take care. That's uh, Arash Madani joining us. We'll be back with our clutch performance and more here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. What's the protocol when it comes to dropping one's comb in the toilet? Do you you throw the comb away? I did it not once, but twice in the past week. I had to go and buy a whole package of new combs. Is this at home or here? At home. At home may be okay, but here I'd be worried. (laughs) Yeah, I've got four little boys, so I'd I'd be inclined to toss the comb at home, too. (laughs) Yeah, so I did... Because you never know, right? I did this last week. I dropped one. It's like, okay, well, I have a backup comb. It's It's all good. And then what do I do? I drop it. I drop that one. Have you seen the strings on mittens, Cody? (laughs) (laughs) That might help. (laughs) Hey, you just created the nerd comb. There we go. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Gordon left open. Bruce Brown fakes. Back up top. They swing it to Murray. Murray, a three-pointer. Bruce Brown... Jokic spins against Adebayo, took shot falling away, still knocks it down. It's over. At last, the long wait is over. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets can finally call themselves NBA champions. 
yes, the Denver Nuggets, NBA champions. Um, and uh, that was uh, Jokic and Murray teaming up. And you heard that with Arash Madani. We talked about it. They are our clutch performers of the evening. And it's brought to you by Nick Service and Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer Jamal Murray. And the Joker, Nikolai Jokic, helping the Nuggets win their first ever NBA championship. Our clutch performance for Nick Service. All right. So, so. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders getting set for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on a short week. We talked about their offensive line and how they've had to juggle things early on here. One of the guys who came to the Riders from the Bombers in the offseason is Eric Loft and our Blaine Weiland caught up with the right tackle. Uh, just hello. Just want to get your thoughts about uh, Sunday's win, uh, season opening win in Edmonton. Um, well, I learned a long time ago playing Professor Will, you always got to be grateful to win because it's so incredibly hard to win at this level. I mean, we're happy we won, but as an offensive line, we're not satisfied with how we played, and we know that we like there's a long way to go, and we can get a lot better. Uh, just talk about how quickly you guys gelled during the last week, especially in the last week of practice, especially the left side. Uh, how do you guys think? How did you think you guys gelled uh, in ahead of Sunday's game? Uh, considering all the circumstances, you know, I mean, we got guys playing everywhere, guys switching positions, anybody's ready to step up. So I think we uh, we did fairly well in that. Like I said, we still just got to keep working. We got to. Uh, Hate to say it again, but we just got a long way to go, man. Because we, we know we can play a lot better than we did. How about you on an individual per- perspective? How do you think you did? Yeah, I, I didn't play up to my standard at all. And that's just me being honest. I'm, I'm capable of a lot better, and I'm going to br- be a lot better for this team moving forward. Just going back to, I guess, uh, the end of the fourth quarter, and just talk about from the offensive line perspective, um, you guys' ability to run the ball with Jamal Moore in the final minutes, how... how how satisfying was that for, as an old line to run the ball when everyone knew you guys were running the ball? I mean, it, of course it was satisfying to us, but as a whole offense, it was it was just it's beautiful and it was very satisfying because um, it's not just a five guy thing blocking. You know what I mean? Like if you look out on the edge, all our receivers were dogging people. We're doing what we got to do up front. And running backs made great cuts and they were extremely hard to bring down. It was a complete team effort. You talked about maybe uh, the old line wanted to improve, not quite your bestest game. What areas do you think you need to improve on ahead for uh, Friday's game? Uh, definitely communication because we're, about, we're going against guys who have won championships and they play championship football. So we're, we expect nothing less than their best and we have to be ready to do it. We, we have to be ready to uh, perform. Is the big, big thing for that just repetitions and just day in, day out, just working on it? Yeah, just, uh, yeah continuing our repetition and just keep putting in the work every single day. Just making sure we stack days, get better and better every day. Now, I know, the, is this a particular matchup you have circled on the calendar facing uh, your old team in Winnipeg? Honestly, no, I don't circle any games, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just, it's really, really like I, like I learned last year from uh, Stan and Yost. With playing football, it's just a, it's a you versus you mentality. Like, I think about how, how can I just continue to get better, and it doesn't really matter who they line up across from me. I just have to make sure that I continue to get better. How excited are you to uh, be an offensive lineman inside of the stadium as a home player, you know, playing in, in a home crowd in, in, at Mosaic Stadium, have the, the crowd to your advantage as opposed to a negative being an away player? I'm sorry. They're, uh, they, 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 uh, I don't know what it is. The the one old lineman they had last time, Brandon Council, he did a um, 
he did a uh, in third person, so I don't know what it is. If they have some sort of thing they joke with with the interviewers, I don't know. But Blaine's getting burned the last couple of times. Anyway, that's Eric Lofton. Good conversation with him. He'll line up probably right tackle again for the Riders against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, one of his former teams. We'll be back with more of the sports cage, including a talk with veteran Winnipeg reporter. That would be Jeff Hamilton here on the sports cage for Sask Lotteries on six twenty CKRM. Sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. The NHL season can end tonight. Florida's at Vegas. Vegas can win its first Stanley Cup. Chandler Stevenson can raise his second Stanley Cup. He won with Washington back in 2018 when they beat Vegas. Uh, Florida, of course, featuring former Pat Josh Maher. They're trying to stay alive down three games to one, and we'll find out when they... Have the pregame warm-ups if Matthew Kachuk will play. It's a game-time decision, although Paul Maurice says he knows what's going on. Peter Laviolette, the new coach of the Rangers. Patrick Waugh stepping down, coach, and, uh, coach of the uh, Quebec Rampart, says he hasn't got an NHL offer, but he's stepping away from the Memorial Cup champs. Tonight, it's the Blue Jays taking on the Orioles in Baltimore. And that's your sports ticker. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Our CFL Report is brought to you by our friends at Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Check them out online at kevinsmarine.com. Rough Riders walked away with a 17-13 win over Edmonton this past Sunday, getting set to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a 7 o'clock kickoff here at Mosaic Stadium on Friday. We'll be on the air with our pregame show at 4. Now, at the end of the game, the Riders tried to kill the clock, rolling veteran quarterback Trevor Harris out and throwing it out the side of the end zone. They successfully got the clock down to two seconds and eventually would win the game, obviously. But Trevor Harris took a shot at the end of the game on that play from the front and the back and uh, was seen in quite a bit of pain going off the field after the game. Here's Riders coach Craig Dickinson. Well, it's just as simple as this. We got to play with it. Everybody has it. It's called kill six where we feel like we can kill six seconds and it's basically a play that you put in to end the game or end the half where you don't want to heat a punt or have to try to kick a field goal um, you know to ice the game mm-hmm. and it's basically designed it's a play designed where Trevor's not supposed to take a hit he's supposed to throw it before the guy closes the distance so um, he was just trying to do a little bit more than maybe he needed to at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was trying to kill an extra couple seconds when we really didn't need it. Uh, but you know, he's a tough dude, and he's gonna he's gonna try to push it and do do the do the you know the utmost to try to help our team win. So it's just a play designed to kill as much time as possible and be safe in the fact that you max protect it and you throw the ball out of bounds and try to kill some time. And it's something we want to do at the end of the game. And yeah. The reason Trevor's doing it is he's our most experienced quarterback, and I don't feel comfortable when the game's on the line putting in uh, a rookie or somebody mm-hmm. that hasn't done that before. So we're just trying to win the game, and um, Trevor's going to be fine. We think he's got a little hip, hip pointer, but he should be fine. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Busy show. You can get in on the talk. 936-6262 is our text line. Powered by our friends at the Capital Auto Group. By the way, got a message here from uh, Ryan Stephenson, who I'm assuming is a pilot. He heard the show yesterday. You can, If you ever miss our show, you can catch it in... Um, podcast format after wherever you get your podcast spotify apple you name it please give it a like and a, and a review would be nice give us a nice rating um ryan says i'm enjoying the cage as always wanted to uh, tell you i heard your comments on the cage last night about pilots i want to thank you for saying what you said we try our best to provide the safest and most comfortable experiences for our passengers and this guy could relate jeff hamilton who is a, a an outstanding reporter in winnipeg um joins us on the western pizza hotline jeff i was saying yesterday on the show you get onto a plane and you get off a plane like you never think about it you get in you just think you're going to go up and you're going to go down and everything will be all right those pilots i don't care if they were waiting for more money they deserve every cent in my opinion hey if if a pilot's got a beef you better you better feed them pretty quick as far as i'm concerned you know if anyone want to make happy in these and uh, these these days and age, it's uh, healthcare workers and, and pilots. So uh, I'm with you, Ballsy. Uh, I always love your work. I want to get your take first before the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which is a top of mind. Uh, hockey's big in Winnipeg. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that he has enough equity to demand a second trade, but it, uh, apparently he is. And then I'm hearing Connor Hellebuck's not interested in signing an extension, or that's kind of the rumor. Uh, is Is everything crumbling with the Jets here? What's going on? You know, and it's, it, it depends how you want to look at it, right? I mean, you can certainly look at three, you know, three top-end players in the league, Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Mark Scheifele. Your team is a bad thing, and, you know, I think a lot of people would agree that's probably, you know, that is not a good thing, especially when you consider those are your one-two centermen. Everyone knows if you're going to... If you're going to build a team, it starts in net and down the middle. Um, well, of those two, of those three guys, those are down the middle and in net. And uh, but but the other way to look at it is these guys weren't going to, aren't going to be signing long term extensions. So it's better that they share this stuff with you now. I mean, yeah. I imagine these conversations were going on last you know last summer, and and you know I think the conversation was okay. We're going to give it one last kick at the can with this group, right? Because after next year, if this if this you know amount of discontent amongst the stars still is lingering or exists or, or, you know, even if they are happy, but just want to be somewhere else moves need to be made. So as, 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 you know, as tough as it is, I imagine for jets fans and, you know, I know there's lots of fans out in your neck of the woods of the jets too, um, wondering what's going to happen with these key players. Look, they're probably, you know, they're most likely gone, but the good news, the other side, if you will, is that this team needed to head in a new direction. The fact of the matter is, is yeah, they have, you know, if you look on paper, right, on paper, they look pretty good. They look talented, but in reality, uh, where it really matters, um, they don't work collectively as a group. We know the issues with the leadership group. We know, you know, Rick Bonus made that abundantly clear after, after game five loss to the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs, that this group just wasn't giving it their all. It's time for a shakeup. And, and, you know, as much as that is doom and gloom in the city and, uh, right now, I think fans should look at it as an opportunity. I mean, I mean, you trust me, look. I know there's a lot of people want, wanting to know what the future holds, and I think that's the number one question everybody wants. But, you know, let the scouts work with three guys with some term. There's some, you know, if you look at Pierre Dubois, he's, he's willing to work with the Jets to sign a long-term extension to trade, you know, to go somewhere else. That's only going to result in a better package back. So, you know, as much as it is doom and gloom, this is a real opportunity for the Jets, you know, general manager Kevin Shevel, they often is, and his scouting staff to start 
marching toward a new identity, bringing in players that might be one, two years away, right? Go after some prospects. Go after some key young guys and, and bring and usher in a new era in Winnipeg because it's long overdue. As much as those names are, you know, are, are high end names in the league, this team needs a this team needs a remodel and, and getting rid of those three guys is a start. Well, and I tell you what, they can look uh, to a guy who is just down the highway from Winnipeg, Saskatchewan boy, uh, Kelly McCrimmon, who built a, a Las Vegas or a Vegas Golden Knights team, as they're called now, and uh, they're on the precipice of a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, they took the Jets out in five. So far, their toughest series seems to have been the Edmonton Oilers uh, series with them, although I guess uh, Dallas gave them a bit of a run. Do you think Vegas wins it tonight? You know what? I think it. I, I think they do. Uh, you know, the fact is, you know, Matthew Kachuk, you know, you're back in Vegas. You know, Matthew Kachuk is not a guy, you know, is not at 100%. You know, you have, I just think they've ran out of gas, right? What a run it was for, for the Florida Panthers and, and you know, and, and then they put up a heck of a fight, but now it's time for, for Vegas to finish it off and, and get her done. And, and you know what? Good for them. I mean, as you mentioned, Kelly McCrimmon, lots of Winnipeggers on that team, so uh, you certainly have a lot of people in this neck of the woods cheering for them. Um, you know, I know there's that Paul Maurice on the other bench, but as as as, as remarkable as that run for Florida's been, I, I I, I think I'm with a lot of people where it ends tonight. Yeah, I think it's going to echo what the Heat did. They played hard but came up short against the Nuggets. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Jets fans in town. Rob Vanstone, big uh, big Jets and Nuggets guy, so he'd love to see the Jets get, oh, no some, get something going there. Hey, by the way, you mentioned Kachuk. I don't like Matthew Kachuk because I'm an Oilers fan, but I respect this game, and I respect what he did in the off season, more than more than like a Johnny Goudreau, kind of back to what you were saying. At least he told the Flames, "Listen, I'm not staying here long term." So they could make a move and 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 get him out of there, where where you know Goudreau kind of sat on the fence till the end. So it's kind of that same thing you were talking about with uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah, certainly. I mean, speaking to Matthew Kachuk, I mean, there was a. You know, there was a, a closeness to Calgary, obviously, right? They're the ones that drafted him. That's where he developed. If you read some of the reports, I think, uh, you know, Brad Tree Living's probably, well, no longer there, obviously, but probably was kicking himself before that he didn't, he didn't sign him to a longer-term extension. The the rumor is they wanted to have Michael Froelich on the roster all those years ago, so it took away some some money that was left in the bank, and you imagine that. But yeah. uh, to your to your point, Ballsy, I mean, yeah, I mean, Kachuk worked with the team, wanted to make sure that, you know, you know I think, Part of that too is making sure that you, you you make sure your legacy's intact back in Calgary, right? I mean, you, you had great times, and Matthew Kachuk's not the kind of guy who, unlike Pierre Luc Dubois, in my opinion, isn't necessarily chasing the you know isn't necessarily chasing the sun, even though he's in Sunrise, Florida, right now. He wanted to go to a team that was going to compete, that was going to put you know effort effort to, you know forward and, and be a good team, and and he's just made a good team an even better one. Now Pierre Luc Dubois. You know, it, it's a it's a much different story. Obviously, you know, Pierre Luke came here in that Patrick Liney trade, which upset a lot of local fans. Obviously, when you win the lottery, as the Jets did years ago, and picked a guy, you know, a special talent like Patrick Liney. I know he had his, you know, he had his deficiencies too, but he was a very well liked guy. Now to see, you know, a guy who you trade for, who was let's face it, was a headache in Columbus for the Blue Jackets, and then became a headache. For the Winnipeg Jets at the end of his tenure, uh, not not quite the warm feelings, but certainly I think it's also also a positive that he's you know like Matthew Kachuk is willing to work 
with the team, his agent worked with the team uh, to find a, a good deal for both sides rather than a lot of the uh, lot of the games that were being played in the months before with Montreal and you know that kind of stuff mm. where it's like okay, we know you want to leave, you're not saying it, but now at least you're helping them uh, you know find a path out of here. All right, Jeff Hamilton, let's talk about the Blue Bombers. They come into town here, a nice early test for the Rough Riders who played a pretty good game defensively against an Edmonton Elks team that isn't getting a lot of credit because they haven't been great, but I think they're going to surprise some people this year. They're going to be a good team. They're not Bomber-like, but they're, they're going to be decent. But the Bombers looked in mid-season form. And, and you get that when you bring most of your core back. You don't have that early season feel, uh, feel it out. So this is going to be an interesting test here. How did the Blue Bombers come in health-wise after that game against Hamilton? Pretty good for the most part. I mean, um, and I say for the most part because they played pretty much all Friday without uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, right? One of their all-star, all-star DNs. His status for this week is still very much up in the air. I wouldn't say it's good. I can't tell you if he's playing or not. We don't know that definitively yet, um, but not at practice. And and so that's probably the one guy that you're focused on for injuries. I, I, as for the rest of the lineup, everyone's good. Mike Miller, you know, special teams ace. He was a he was a uh, game time decision last week. Didn't end up dressing, so we'll see what his status is for this week. I know that uh, you know if you looked at that game, yeah, the Bombers certainly looked in uh, mid season form as you as, as you said, Ballsy. But um, I think I heard you earlier in the show, or maybe on social media, where you where you picked your riders. Um, that the special teams was a was a hurting point for the for the bombers, and it certainly was right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the the punt and the kickoff coverage, and uh, no one helps that group better than Mike Miller. So so while his absence kind of goes a bit under the radar to maybe the the casual CFL fans, certainly for for teams um, playing against them, uh, having Mike Miller out is a, is a pretty big deal. But as you mentioned, the continuity, man. I mean, there's only seven new players on the roster. Yeah, Not, and and all all. 24 starters on offense and defense have started a game last year. And so that continuity has benefited the Bombers now for a few years. If you look at their last couple seasons, they get off to, you know, 9-0 and starts, 12-1 and starts um, because of that. Because a lot of teams, including the one in your backyard, which I think is going to take, you know, a number of strides this year, it takes time to build that chemistry because as, as much as, as training camp, you know, helps build that camaraderie amongst players and, and build that culture, you really do need those live snaps. And as much as preseason does offer that opportunity, we all know how little the starters actually play. So, you know, I see things getting better for Saskatchewan, but certainly Winnipeg will will once again take full advantage of uh, having so many familiar faces back in the lineup as, at the early stages of the year. I agree, and you were referring to my... Um my uh, kind of poll or my uh, power ranking after week one. Let's be honest. It's it's you. I have my opinion. You have your opinion. Others have uh, have your uh, have their opinion. They were offended that I put the Riders at four, but I'm like, okay. Well, Winnipeg's clearly the best. I think BC. You got to put them two. Toronto can't go up or down because they never played a game. They're the defending <laughs> yeah. champs and the Riders. I think look the best of all the rest of the teams. And hey, what's the point of having a CFL rankings if people aren't going to argue about? That's it? exactly it. But I w- I will say this: I think the Bombers are clear cut the best team in the West, and any of the teams, save for maybe Edmonton, but I think any of the other teams could finish second. I really believe that. I don't disagree. I really don't. I mean, and I think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna have that answer. You know, obviously until the end of the season, of course. But I, you know, I think it's going to be a really fascinating month for the rest of the West, if you will. I think it's, you know, as they continue to grow, I, you know, you can't. It's it's so easy to make, you know, week one, 
judgments, right? Or right. and try to you know try to make the, you know this team doesn't look that great. Well, you know it's easy to say that Taylor Cornelius isn't a, isn't a you know a, a number one QB. Well, let's give him maybe a week or two to figure out his targets here and and, and get on on page with what was pretty much a, a revamped uh, a revamped uh, receiving group. And, and you know same thing for same thing for Saskatchewan, right? I mean Trevor Harris called it the worst game in his career, pretty much. And yeah. so the fact that you can still squeeze a win out on your worst game and, and a defense that's capable of stopping a, a group three times at the one yard line. I mean, those are the positives you have to take away. Uh, so I think, you know, in week one, there's always a couple games. I, I'd throw Montreal and Ottawa on that too. That was kind of trying to figure itself out. I, I see all those teams, whether it's the East and West, but particularly the West, because it's such an intriguing division. Um, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see teams, you know, separate themselves probably after a month or so. Yeah. Hey man, it's always great talking to you. We'll catch up again. It's going to be a great CFL season and you got it covered. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, Ballsy, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Jeff Hamilton joining us. Great uh, reporter out of Winnipeg. He uh, knows everything about what's going on there. I was going to ask him about the ice, but I'll get to that next time. I heard a rumor uh, the other day that uh, the Canucks are very interested in buying the ice and moving into Chilliwack. That's a very uh, saturated market, but they only got a 1,600-seat rink in Winnipeg, and they haven't even started building, and that was one of the prerequisites of moving that team, although they had a long playoff run, so it might be uh, a little late in the game to move them, but that's a rumor I heard. Somebody told me, a couple people said, there could be an announcement in the next couple of days. Who knows? Anyway, this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. People are awake today. The texts are coming in. This is from Newt. 936-6262. Good show as always. Ballsy. Ask the Winnipeg reporter Jeff Hamilton how much the Bombers will be over the salary cap this year. That's from Newt in Saskatoon. Uh, I'm not going to ask him. He doesn't. He. It's nothing to do with him. I will tell you this. They were 64000 They got fined a dollar for every dollar they were over. So that's like a speeding ticket. I, I Listen, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I, I, hope the, I hope the riders cheat. Cheat. I don't care. I want to win. I want to win. Cheat. Cheat. I don't care. Right, Brian Raymond? Cheat. 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 <laughs> Except at golf. You can't cheat at no, golf. No, you can't cheat at golf. Well, you could, but then you'll be just the disgraced. Hey, Brian, with that in mind, let's get a comment from you on Nick Taylor. What a great scene that was. Even the tackling of Adam Hadwin. You know what? I'm I'm sorry to say this, but it delayed my watching the football game because I started watching. I just got home from the golf course and started turning the TV, and the, the playoff had just started, and it was riveting drama. I couldn't stop watching. It was insane. But what a great experience! And you know, the, for the people that were there, they must it just have been amazing. Yeah. Hey, Brian, we we uh, we uh, this is a sponsored segment, so we're going to call you back on that uh, on that work number because you're cutting out, and I want to make sure we can hear you. Okay, so we'll give you a, we'll hang up and give you a call right back. Okay, man. All right, sounds good. Give a second there. That's why he said, "Hey, why'd you call this number?" So can you call that other one there? Uh, Col- Colson's going to call that other number. Got some other um, texts actually because I asked you. You ask, I answer. So I'll get to another one of these. How about this um, from Rebecca? Favorite thing about your job? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I've always been a Rough Rider fan, and I've always been a CFL fan, and I grew up loving watching all the broadcasts uh, and listening to all the broadcasts and to be doing what uh, I 
listened to and watched uh, to be doing that, I um, absolutely, I absolutely, um, I absolutely love doing that part of my job. So uh, I, um, I, 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 I still pinch myself, man. Absolutely pinch myself. Still having a problem getting a hold of him there, Colson. We're gonna try again here. So yeah, Rebecca, thanks. I like that. And then of course I like. Uh, I like going to different cities. I haven't been to Ottawa yet. Haven't been to Toronto yet. Won't go to Toronto this year either because both of those games against Toronto have been in Halifax against uh, the Argos at the Atlantic Canada Bowl game. So we'll be doing that again uh, July the 29th. Do we have them there? Okay, let's go back to you, Brian. So, Brian, just reiterate again for me the Nick Taylor uh, scene and what that meant to you watching as a golf guy. It was amazing, absolutely amazing, and it was uh, you know wonderful drama to watch that last four the playoff holes was just incredible. You know you're on the edge of your of your seat watching because as they miss putts you're just kind of going oh my god. But uh, what a tremendous uh, feat for uh, Nick Taylor to do what he did, and you know it, it's one of those things where you're never going to forget how that happened. Yeah, and you're never going to forget the uh, partly because Adam Hadwin got tackled in his street clothes, <laughs> and they're actually in the Golf Hall of Fame, Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, putting that champagne bottle in. There, which I thought awesome. Cool. And you saw, did you see they had a toonie uh, glued to the bottom of the cup on the 18th hole? Yeah, I saw that. That's outstanding. Yeah, it's great, man. It was awesome. Oh, speaking of the Riders, do you think we're upset in Winnipeg this week? Um, I would like to think so, but we better get a better performance from the offense. Defense was awesome. Boy, yeah. were they fantastic. They were, and the, the offense did what they had to do when they had to do it. Uh, uh, Trevor Harris only had four snaps in the preseason, so that affected things. I Hopefully he can uh, uh, be okay from that hip pointer. And lastly, before we get some golf deets from you, who do you got tonight, Vegas or Florida? You know what? I think it's going to be uh, Vegas, but you you just can't count count Florida out. But uh, I think the Chuck is playing hurt, so that might be an issue. Yeah. So give us the details out at Flowing Springs, Brian Raymond. That's why we got you on. Well, I will tell you that we have now recovered from our flooding issues, and the golf course is absolutely lush. It is gorgeous out here. What a great night. Hardly any wind. It's nice and warm. And for $19, you can come out and play the golf course after 6 o'clock, uh, just walking, of course. And, of course, every day after 3 o'clock, it's $35. And Mondays and Wednesdays, if you are a senior or a lady, $32 to play the golf course. And if you're neither of those... $42. So some great, great deals here at the golf course. And, of course, we have a great driving range. If you just want to take out some frustration, mm. come on out and do it. Hey, when's that driving range open? I was going to ask you that because i got some days off coming up here. Well, 7 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. Awesome. And if I forgot my bug spray, do you got bug spray out there at the clubhouse? Oh, we absolutely do. <laughs> i got to have that. <laughs> if they, they want to get a hold of you, how do they do it? If you want to book at the time, just give us a call at 306-543-5050. Or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. Thanks, Brian. Take care, my friend. Take care of yourself. Appreciate it. Thanks for your patience. We'll be back with more Rider Audio from After Practice. We'll have Don Hewitt by with his Hueys, Heroes and Zeros, and Glenn Suter before the show's done here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go. Show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Go into your local Western Pizza location and ask about their dine-in and takeout deals. And you can text us at 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. You can also call that number. 
or one eight six six seven six seven if you want seven six seven zero six twenty if you want to talk some football. We're going to get to some rider audio now. Coach Dickinson addressed the media after practice. He told us that uh, while we knew Trevor Harris was limited in practice, he has a hip pointer. He's expecting him to play. Darrell Walker didn't practice. He didn't tell us what the injury is. We'll know more tomorrow. Philip Blake is on the sixth game, if not longer. You got to consider this is a thirty-seven-year-old offensive lineman that now has a chest tear and has had surgery. So with that in mind, it's going to be, I don't know, will we see him this year? Eh, hopefully at some point. I think it'll be a lot longer than six games. Now you could take a guy on and off the six game. It just the salary goes retroactive onto the salary cap. So there you go. And like I said, who cares if you're over in my opinion? Um, we are expecting maybe uh, Gerald Hawkins to be back this week, not to play, but the big offensive lineman, former Pittsburgh Steeler that had been away from football for a year. They're expecting him back this week. Uh, and Colin Kelly comes off the suspended list for the game next week. So hopefully the Rough Riders offensive line, which held up pretty good against Edmonton, a very good Edmonton defense, not Winnipeg-like, but an Edmonton defense. Hopefully they can cobble together another great effort and uh, use their outstanding defense and above-average special teams to get the job done here on home turf. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff. Four is the pregame show here on 620 CKRM. Now, Trevor Harris did find his buddy, Jake Winicky a couple of times during that game. Did try to hit him uh, on kind of... I thought it was a corner route, but they got their signals crossed. It was picked off by Kai Gray of the Elks, one of two interceptions that Trevor threw. But here is Jake Winicky after practice. All right. I'm with Jake Winicky. And uh, Jake, first off, just want to get your thoughts about uh, starting off the season on the right foot with a win on Sunday in Edmonton. Oh, I mean, it was a fun fun game. Great way to start the season. Uh, it's funny. I, offensively, I think we we're we we're just looking at everything that we did throughout the game. I mean, there's definitely some plays we own back. I think that happens every game. But then just to know and just have so much confidence in our defense when we're able to continue to keep uh, coming up with stops like that just gives us a lot of confidence as well as the offense knowing that no matter uh, what happens, we're just continuing to bounce back and, and, and get better. And to come out with a win like that and our defense playing the way that they did, uh, I think it just uh, is a testament to this team and, and, and how special we could be. Maybe just going back to the, your guys' defense and from your perspective, from the sideline, watching that goal line stand, just talk about, the, I'm sure the adrenaline you guys got watching your defense yeah. uh, make the three stops there. It's fun because, I mean, I think you always have confidence in your team uh, to, to make those stops. But, I mean, I had just a feeling, I think, when we were on the one, I was like, we're going to make the stop. And uh, just to see them do it three times in a row, even force a fumble on one of them and then step them back a couple yards on the last one. I mean, it's just, it's a special defense, a bunch of special guys, uh, great coaches, and, and, and they just, they've been flying around all camp and everything. So I, I wasn't surprised to see what, them out there doing that. Just want to get your thoughts from the offensive perspective. Uh, a lot of time-consuming drives, but not quite finishing. Uh, just your thoughts about you know making a lot of good plays down at him and not just quite finishing off in the end zone. Yeah, I think that's a big thing uh, in the CFL, especially is just being able to finish and, and capitalize on those drives with touchdowns instead of field goals. I mean, even some of those drives, I think we started on our own too, and and drove all the way down the field, uh, all the way to the goal line, and end up kicking a field goal. If we can obviously get a touchdown there, that'd be uh, a big play. But even the fact that we could drive all the way down, same with the last drive of the game, being able to drive the whole field. I think that's just a testament to, to what we're doing offensively and, and how we're heading in the right direction. And I think we're just continuing to improve, get better every single day, and, and ultimately we're building for excellence. 
the fact that maybe you didn't quite finish off those drives, just a sign of maybe an offense not quite full in rhythm. Obviously, just the first game of the season. So maybe is that just a, uh, a sign that just not quite full rhythm yet uh, after that first one? Yeah, I think it's just room to improve. Just continue to do our jobs better. I know there's a lot of plays that, that I want back, and, and I'm sure a lot of us feel like that on offense, that we just want to do our job a little better. And I think the more that we do that, the more we capitalize and just make some plays and, and score some touchdowns when we get down there. Obviously, uh, you rejoined with uh, Trevor Harris here in Saskatchewan. Just want to get your thoughts about his first game as a member of the Green and White. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I love playing with Trevor. First of all, grateful that I get to to play with him again. And anytime you have him beside behind center, uh, it's just a special uh, confidence that he gives off to everybody. Just a calmness, no matter what's going on in the game. And you saw that time and time again throughout the the game. Even when we were put in bad positions, we put ourselves in bad positions. Whenever we made mistakes, bouncing right back. And, and that's just uh, a testament to him, the great leader he is, and the great quarterback that he is. And and made a bunch of huge plays. Uh, and just led our team to the victory. So I'm so grateful to be playing with him, and, and I'm always confident when I got 17 back there, or seven back there. Uh, just look ahead. Already this season, it seems like you guys are battling some uh, adverse injuries on, uh, injuries on offense. Uh, Lenny is already down a little bit. Yeah. Is it already the next man up mentality inside the receiver's locker room? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because the next man up, uh, also, I don't ever want to neglect the guys that are out. we got a lot of great players that are out in the herd, and my heart, our hearts go out to them. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, we got to line up and, and do our job, and we trust whoever's out there is going to do that. So uh, we got a great group. we got a lot of depth. Um, I know every single person, whoever gets in there, is going to make plays, and I think we all have that confidence in, in one another. And I think that's what's exciting about this group and, and about this team. And, and, and yeah, I, lo I love this receiver group. And we know whoever's out there uh, is going to be balling every single day. So, is it fair to characterize uh, Friday's matchup against the Blue Bombers a measuring stick game? Um, I mean, I think we're just going out there and, and we're very confident in what we're doing. And we're just trying to get out, go out there and improve and get better every single day. And, and we're confident in, in this team and what we got. Now you got to wear your first Ryder game in white. And now you get to play with the green jersey on Friday night. How excited are you to walk out here on Friday night uh, in the homeowner? I can't wait. I mean, uh, I always love playing here even as a on the part of the visiting team, but now to, to play um, as this be my home crowd, I mean, I'm pretty pretty excited. It's going to be pretty special. Of course, this weekend's Father's Day's weekend. Uh, just want to get your thoughts about uh, Father's Day weekend. What does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a proud father. I got uh, two kids, one on the way, and, and uh, I'm glad I get to, to play in front of my son, on, especially with the, the Father's Day weekend game, and hopefully a lot of father and, 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 and sons, father and kids out here at the game. So uh, I'm glad that I get to play in front of my son. All right, thanks a lot, Jake. Yeah, appreciate it. Jake right. Winicky, yes, indeed. His wife's having the baby in a couple weeks' time. Trevor Harris happy, too, because his wife has... Had the baby, and now the family's up here and joined him in Regina. They did so on Sunday. Uh, he got back on Monday. Of course, we had to stay an extra day and uh, reunited and probably never felt so good. I think that's in a song somewhere. All right. This guy had a quarterback sack, and uh, in his second year with the Rough Riders, looks like he's taking a step forward, which is always good to progress in the right direction. It's former Arizona Cardinal, Miles Brown. All right. I'm joined with Miles Brown. And Miles, just want to get your thoughts about a big win that opened up the season in Edmonton on Sunday. It was a great team win. I'm, I mean, I'm excited and I'm grateful for it. Um, but as with any win, there's always more work to do. There's always another way to get better, a uh, way to be more perfect. Um, and so that's what we're looking forward to. Five sacks, uh, five different players. Is that kind of the dream scenario for the position group to have all the guys uh, divvy up the sacks? Uh, that is an amazing day uh, out of our room. And we just hope to uh, recreate that every game. And I was going to say, too, the guy who didn't get a sack, Pete Robertson, he also had a standout game as well. We're, 
Pete's an amazing player. Uh, he's proved himself over the last two years, I think, and he's going to continue to prove himself. Um, even on the stuff that you know may, may not have been uh, accounted for in statistics, like Pete was on the quarterback plenty of times, make it, having hits on the quarterback and uh, pressure on the quarterback. So like, this is what we want out of our group. This is what we look forward to out of our group, and um, we just look to sustain it throughout the year. What was it like inside that huddle uh, during that goal line stand? I guess leading up to that first play and then afterwards obviously must have been a big uh, confidence booster uh, stopping the, the Elks at the goal line there. Um, it, it was it was an amazing play for us. Uh, it was an amazing few plays for us, and um, that, that should be how we play football. That is how we play football. That is what we will – that's what we plan to recreate every single time. If anyone is a, a yard away from scoring, um, we plan to keep them out. So – one thing we I have we haven't talked much about afterwards uh, the game on Sunday was your the defense's ability to keep Cornelius within the pocket only had 14 yards rushing to talk about the defensive line's ability to uh, limit Cornelius and not really give him any lanes to run. Um, throughout the week we we plan and prepare for certain things. We know the caliber of uh, quarterback Cornelius is. Um, we know that he can run. He we saw we saw it last year, um, and we uh, executed we executed our plan. Um, Keep him in, a, in the pocket, rush with uh, poise, rush with design and discipline, and uh, we did that. So, I know the last week or so, Coach Dickens has talked a lot about the second-year players. Uh, you're one of them. Have you noticed any difference with the – I know it's just one game in your second year, but have you noticed a little bit difference this year with the one game so far compared to your rookie season? Um, I'm just looking forward to us uh, continuing to grow, continuing to grow together, um, continuing to be a uh, sharper team, a more disciplined team than any team in the league. Um, a team that you know can't be flustered or sh shaken by uh, the opponent, um, and I think as long as we do that, we we are set. We're going to set ourselves up for for a great year and hopefully um, a championship. Just want to get your thoughts too about the veteran presence that uh, Michael Johnson has for your guys' group. Uh, I love having Micah around. Um, Micah's been in the league for a long time, and he's a he's a phenomenal athlete and phenomenal player, and he has a, a ton of knowledge. Um, and so I, I, I'm grateful to have him around. I love having having him around. And then on top of that, he he knows how to get to the quarterback, and that just makes it so much easier. He popped it off for us just last weekend. Uh, he's the first one, and uh, you know, we everyone else had we we're, we're all like, all right. We're here now. Micah got one. It's time. You know, we all. We, it's time to get on the board. Um, and so that's that's a good thing for us. I think that's a positive positive uh, advantage we have in our group. And as well, you and Demarcus Christmas seems like you guys are side by side all the time. It seems like uh, making plays on that defensive line. I'm sorry. I was going to say you and Demarcus Christmas seem like it's always you two are linked. It seems like always side by side on that defensive line making plays. Yeah, that's that's my guy, man. We like uh, we almost like Siamese twins a little bit. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have him around. I'm glad we both back and uh, playing well. Uh, do you think, uh, would you describe Friday's game against the Blue Bombers as a measuring stick game type game? Friday's game is just another game. Uh, Friday's game is just another game, and every game after that is just another game. Uh, we have a plan. Uh, we, we practice and prepare to do certain things. Our job Friday is to execute. So, uh, In terms of Friday's game being the home opener, any extra excitement, uh, you know, walking out the tunnel for the first time this year? Of course, of course, but uh, that has to be managed. Uh, I had a college coach who would always say, never too high, never too low, uh, always even kill. Um, and so to, to be composed, to play and to play discipline, to play in the way that I would like to play, to play in the way that we would like to, to play, all the excitement, all the, the extra jazz is, is wonderful, but we have, to, we have jobs to do, and uh, we will do that. All right, thanks a lot, Miles. Thank you. All right.
That's Miles Brown. When we come back, Don Hewitt with uh, Hueys. Heroes and Zeros. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Tuesday's show is brought to you by Sask Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. And as you heard, the Professor Don Hewitt on the show now. Um, I had Jeff Heck do this last year, but because of work commitments, he can't. So instead of Heck's Heroes and Zeros, it's going to be Huey's Heroes and Zeros, our first installment where you pick two things you like, player, coach, uh, referee, uh, who knows, announcer, two things you liked and two things you didn't like from uh, the uh, fall or the uh, previous week's efforts in the CFL. So let's go back to week number one, Don. We'll start with your first hero. Give me your first hero. Well, other than you doing an outstanding job <laughs> of the Rough Rider play-by-play on radio, uh, you're a hero. But my first hero would be Kelly Jeffrey and Andre Bulldog who sort of uh, or basically run the Rough Rider running game and how they changed their blocking schemes in the fourth quarter in Edmonton uh, in order to uh, really salt away that game because the, the, the scheme change worked. They ran the ball, Jamal Morrow with 80 yards at the end of the day, and it really salted the, the tilt away because they chewed up clock. Uh, their new sort of strategy looked like they ran away from the center of the Elks penetrating defensive line, angled off would-be tacklers. They found room, you know, outside and inside the tackle and basically, uh, you know, just fooled Chris Jones, who, of course, is the defensive coordinator of the Edmonton Elks with his change of uh, blocking scheme. It didn't seem like uh, the Elks were ready for it. So Bulldog and Jeffrey get hero awards for just a great, a great run game in the fourth quarter after being stymied for the first three. I just want to throw in to tail, uh, to uh, piggyback that, Don. Um, 103-yard drive that sets up a field goal after they were right. backed up at the one. And then after the goal line stand from the three, they use that ground game you talked about to basically salt the game away. That, those are two back-breaking drives. And they did it with a patchwork offensive line. I mean, if you take a look at what the Rough Riders thought they were going to have as a starting offensive line, probably they only were playing two starters from the plan. In other words, you know, uh, they had Godber at center, Furland at right guard, and the other three weren't really expected to start on the offensive line. So, not only did they do a great job in changing the, the blocking schemes, they did a great job with, you know, three offensive linemen that they didn't think would make their team as starters. Evan Johnson, uh, you know, wasn't really penciled in as a starter. He had some fire under his butt and he showed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice for Evan Johnson at, at guard there to be part of that in, in running the ball down Edmonton's throat. So we call this Heroes and Zeros, and I want to put a little disclaimer on it. It's not like we're saying uh, 
this person's no good or these people are no good. They're professional coaches, players, whatever in football. So Don and I uh, bow to their greatness. But the name of the segment is Heroes and Zeros. So give me your, give me your first negative outlook on what you saw uh, in week one. Okay, my first zero is is the CFL and the problems they keep having with technology. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's nothing to do with the Rough Riders per se, but it's got something to do with they never seem to be ready when they sort of, uh, you know, make the statements that this is what they're going to have on a certain date with technologies. Of course, they were going to have lifetime stats ready to roll, uh, a much better overall sort of package uh, of statistics, and they had lots of trouble with it. Still haven't got it ironed out after you would think working on it all winter. I think they will figure it out, but it would be nice if they could figure out something just for once that actually worked from the get-go. And another example of that, streaming the preseason. It, this was novel to start doing it this year. What about five years ago? Why weren't they streaming the preseason five years ago? So it's just that the, the technology that they try never seems to work. I know you don't expect them to be doing NFL fantasy football technology at all because of their uh, limited budget compared to the behemoth of the NFL. But at least, you know, when you're going to say this is going to be ready, Try for once to have it ready. So sort of a shot at the CFL I agree. The technologies. I agree because even the Rock's money-losing XFL at $60 million in losses did a heck of a lot better job. We've been waiting for this genius sports for two years, and to be quite honest with you, uh, very subpar to this point. All right, Don Hewitt, Huey's zeros, heroes and zeros. What do you got for your next hero, my friend? Uh, my hero is the rider coaching staff, particularly in the defensive side, who decided to dress an unprecedented nine defensive linemen. I've never seen a team dress nine defensive linemen. Now, some of them, a couple of them, of course, were playing on all four special teams and they didn't necessarily play in the D-line, but they dominated the line of scrimmage. They pushed around and bullied the Elks offensive line, if I can say that, because I think they they did, in fact, do that. They won the line of scrimmage. As a result, the secondary looked a lot better uh, because there was less time for Cornelius to throw the football. They got that goal line stand, which is one of the coolest things I've seen the Rough Riders do in, in quite a while. And uh, probably a Mullender matchup possibility for Friday when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders host Winnipeg will be how that defensive line that's stacked with Americans – uh, will do against the Winnipeg O-line, who are better than the Edmonton O-line. But I got, I, I'll say this, I think the Winnipeg O-line, for the first time in three or four years, are going to have some trouble with the Saskatchewan defensive front. And if they can shut down Oliveira and the Winnipeg rushing attack, it could get real interesting Friday night at Mosaic Stadium. Oh, I think it's going to be a close game, and I absolutely agree with you, Don. And we were talking so much about the Trevor Harris play at the end of the game. Fans calling in, people blowing up Twitter. Whoever made that call should be fired. And not concentrating enough on the fact 
that the Rough Riders made three stops at their one yard line, Don. Yeah. And you got to give a yard off of the ball in the CFL. And an Achilles heel of this team last year was going offside in those situations, and they didn't. Right. And, and that was great. And I, I credit the addition or the re-addition, if you want to say it that way, of Micah Johnson, uh, leadership in the center of that D-line. You know darn well that Micah Johnson is screaming and yelling at people about where their finger is and that it's not touching anything that's green. And uh, the leadership that came into the locker room, the lack of leadership that exited the locker room showed right there and then no offsides and on the goal line stand and, of course, less penalties. So, I mean, it was a great job by Ryder head coach Craig Dickinson and his staff. A great job that they did in Edmonton. They get a gold star. And all anybody talked about at the time on our postgame show and in the media, in fact, the Globe and Mail, they, they rarely write about the CFL. They did a column on the last, that, that last play <laughs> where Trevor Harris got hit killing the clock. And I thought, you do you you came up with that yeah. in one of your rare CFL columns at the Globe and Mail, like you know, I I, I thought it was overblown. Yeah, personally, about overblown a lot about that last play and the great things that the Rough Riders did at times didn't seem to be mentioned. Yeah. And lastly, Huey, Don, you at the professor, your last zero in Heroes and Zeros. My zero is the Calgary Stampeder marketing team. Uh, I mean, they have not had that team in the community for years. I mean, you know, the University of Calgary Dinosaur football team, for example, have a huge sports dinner as their main fundraiser. John Huffnagel, I don't believe, from what I've been told, has never even been there. Nobody from the Stamps shows up. Uh, Three people with close ties to the Stamps who were recently inducted into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. Now, do you think anybody from the Stampeders showed up? No. Nobody was showing up. I mean, I don't know exactly what they had in their home against the BC Lions, I'm guessing 15,000. They said 17,000 is what they said. Right. And this team hasn't been in the community for several decades. I mean, John Hopnagel, at one time, his position was president and CEO of the franchise. He's a football guy. He's, he only thinks and cares about football. Fine. Uh, that let him do that, but bring in more employees or bring in, you know, a Victor Quee who can get 32,000 uh, to the Elks home opener with a team that hasn't won now in 18 straight home games. And the Stampeders show up with that. It's because, you know, I know the stadium isn't great. I understand that. But a city that size, they're hitting 1.6 million people in 2023 in Calgary. And you can't get more people like that into your stands. And that's what happens when you don't have the team in the community. That's Don Hewitt. Heroes and Zeros will be a weekly segment. Coming back, we're going to have the Regina Red Sox report, a sports ticker, and Glenn Suter all on deck here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
All right, here's your sports ticker, and we'll tell you it's for Busy B. And when we tell you it's for Busy B, we'll tell you that it's the Baltimore Orioles taking on the Toronto Blue Jays. And right now, the Toronto Blue Jays have a one nothing lead in the second inning of play. Also, uh, we've got the Stanley Cup final on tap tonight. Florida trying to stay alive. The uh, Vegas Golden Knights can win their first Stanley Cup championship. Uh, and their owner, back when they started, said, we'll win the Cup within six years. This is the sixth year. Will he be... Prophetic, we'll find out tonight. Yes, the sports ticker brought to you by Busy B. They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy B Doors, the garage door specialists. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on the voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. And the Regina Red Sox Report is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. You can go check out their great new menu and drink specials at the Canadian Brew House. You can watch the Stanley Cup Final tonight as... The Las Vegas Golden Knights try to win their first championship. Of course, CFL's headed into week number two, and we've got all your MLB action down at the Canadian Brew House as well. Well, the Regina Red Sox are asking fans to come out and cheer them on tonight. 7.05 first pitch over there at Curry Field as they're taking on the Fort McMurray Giants. Their own Sean Kleisinger's the outstanding public address announcer. Like I said, it's a 7.05 first pitch against Fort McMurray. They're going after four straight wins as they're playing some pretty good baseball right now. And the power rankings are out. Okotoks, number one. Moose Jaw Miller Express, who the Regina Red Sox just beat. They're number two. Sylvan Lake Gulls at three. Lethbridge Bulls coming at four. And the Regina Red Sox round out the top five. Go Sox, go! Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzing, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out. Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right. It's brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Suits, thanks for joining me. Before we get to CFL talk, and there's lots to talk about, Your alma mater, Simon Fraser University, will not play games in 2023 due to what Bob Copeland, an independent special advisor tasked with exploring options for the future of the football program at the school, has termed safety and logistical concerns. I turn the floor over to you as a guy who is advocating for the athletes to keep the season alive. Uh, This can't sit well with you. No, it doesn't. Uh, you know, great, uh, obviously, tremendous frustration, disappointment from all the alumni. I've been looking at the, um, the email threads and uh, just, yeah, I mean, I don't understand the safety angle. I haven't read any of the report. I saw the article and I saw the uh, statement made by SFU, but I haven't really dug into the special advisor's complete report. So I don't really want to comment on that except for to say the the – the thought that uh, player safety was an issue is not that uh, just it's it's not real. It's just, uh, you know, it, it feels like to me, Michael, that this is, again, people that don't understand the sport 
that are making decisions. What they're doing, Glenn, you're you're being you're being diplomatic because of your uh, role in football in this country on TV, and because let's be honest, you're more diplomatic than me. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to tell you this right now. <laughs> this is a load of garbage, and it's what's wrong with our society. It's talk and talk and talk till people get bored of the topic, and the topic goes away. Talk and talk and talk. You've affected kids. You've affected their families. You've affected their football aspirations. Shame in that university and I would never ever ever even if I was an alumni of that school let my daughter or son go play sports at SFU that school would be dead to me absolutely embarrassing what they did embarrassing they everybody there involved should be fired well uh, I, I I hear you on the analysis and, and uh, honestly it is, I am disappointed, and I am trying to be diplomatic, but at the end of the day, uh, it, it, it's about the student athletes, and it's about their journey, and a hundred kids and their families have been displaced. And keep in mind that this is, these are, these are families that sometimes, you know, mortgage their homes to get their kids to school, you know, guy, kids that don't have scholarships initially that, you know, that a single mother has to move out to Vancouver in a market that is, you know, twice or three times more expensive than the one she left to, so that her son has the opportunity to play football at SFU because he was recruited and promised a chance at a scholarship and a great education, you know, at SFU and Burnaby Mountain. And, and now that is ripped away for no apparent reason. It is, it's very, very disappointing. Now, the, part of why I want to be diplomatic is that it it doesn't mean the end because they're not going to play this year the 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 special advisor is going to continue to assess and apparently there will be a a report made in september that uh would include the opportunity to rejoin canada west for instance and uh hopefully the deep dive into that will happen and that canada west will help in that regard i know there's things that have to be tweaked and changed and Concessions made, but nobody in this country wants to lose a football program. You know, Amar Doman has stepped up big, big time. That was just sort of, I guess, not considered or whatever. I don't know, but very, very disappointing. Oh, it's it's awful. It's it's beyond awful. As a guy who's going through it right now with a student athlete, it's it. Uh, I don't even. Yeah, could you imagine? You'd, have, you to, imagine, you'd have to restrain me. You would literally have to restrain me. I, I, and and don't yeah. tell me, and don't tell me they woke up one April and decided, you know what, we've decided we're not going to do the football program. They, I don't care what they say, they had this plan for a long time. They could have got them into U Sports. They could have played in the conference they were in for one more year. It's an. You're absolutely right. It's about. <clears throat> I've said this, and I'll say it, and I don't care. The football. Coaches, the people involved with the football teams across this country, the athletes, you don't know what these athletes go through. You do not know what these athletes go through. You do not know what these coaches go through. I think in U Sports, and in this case, uh, Simon Fraser, uh, those, those, anybody involved with the football program is doing their best to put a good product on and, and everything like that. It is people above them at the university level that treat football in this country like it's an intramural sport. And it's not. And it's not. You got, man, 
the guy I want to talk to first uh, to you about coming up on the other side of the break is the Canadian heat-seeking missile that if <laughs> somehow somebody would have said, ah, oh, he's the Canadian player, who cares about Canadian players? Uh, my son personally DM'd this guy to say, you're an inspiration and you're balling out. And that's what we need more of in this country, not goofballs that are up in the uh, higher chairs that don't give a crap about. They'll take, uh, oh, you know, and, and, and here's the other thing. You got me fired up, and you didn't even do it. Simon Fraser, University of Regina, uh, U of S, those football programs put your university on the national map. There are no commercials running about math class. They're running about football programs, and I'm not cutting down academics because it's very important, but what I'm getting at is those football programs give you free advertising. Wake up. God, people are, the older I get, the dumber people are. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Glenn Suter about a safety I love. He's just, he's rocking it so far early with the Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Big blow to the Florida Panthers. Matthew Kachuk will not play. He's out of the lineup as they try to keep their season alive. Jays losing to Baltimore 2-1. Time to continue our press coverage with Glenn Suter. Now that I've come down off my soapbox, brought to you by Quality Tire Suits. Um, let's talk about the game that we both were witness to in Edmonton. We're not making enough of a... Th- Listen, anytime a defense can make a goal line stand in professional football from the one-yard line in the CFL when you have to give a yard, you can't throw enough accolades at that defense, in my opinion. Absolutely. Money, money, money. The three most important game, uh, plays of that game happened on the one-yard line going in. It was the, it was the game on the line. You know, if, if Edmonton scores there, and now they take a lead, and then the pressure then completely shifts onto the offense of the, of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and now you've got, you know, you've got to generate three or four first downs at least to get into field goal range and to try and tie the score. It, it changes the dynamic and, and where the pressure points of that game are. If they score there, that the game was on the line. Chris Jones didn't want to talk about it in the post game. That was just garbage. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't even want to get into that. But the 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 end of the day, uh, that play made down there, those three plays in a row, that is football at its best. And if anyone tells me that it wasn't a good game because we didn't see thirty five thirty. I just, you know, then you don't really love the game. You're just, you, I don't know, go watch arena football. And I, don't, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't get mad at a fan. But the bottom line is that it, it doesn't have to be 55-50 to have a good game. That was a really intense, you know, hard game. There's a couple things, Michael. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the riders, I don't remember them having a lot of really, you know, dumb penalties. I think they're improved. They've, they've made the, the shift here when it comes to discipline. Uh, you know, there, there was physical at times. That was one of the most physical first games of the year I've ever seen in the league, by the yeah, way. Yeah, well, those were two de- um, those were two desperate teams, Glenn. Uh, we're we're yeah. short on time, and I want to roll through some things here. So, Jaden Dalkey as a yeah. Canadian safety, awesome. that's what I was referring to before the break. Here's a guy comes in as a sixth-round pick of the Riders out of uh, the U of A last year, and all he does is make the team play pretty well last year. Shivers loves him, and then 
uh, man, he was. La- he told me on the bus going to the stadium. My dad's fiftieth birthday. I'm laying the wood, and he laid the wood big time. Oh, I just outstanding. I mean, made his presence felt. I guarantee you, the rest of the teams that play against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers receiving core have noticed. I guarantee you that. I haven't even talked to Winnipeg, but that's what happens. You know, you you have a game like that where you are saying to the opposition, you come across this area, you're going to get hit. I was a different style safety, but I loved it. I, I just thought Jaden Dalkey was one of the best players in the field. Um, and, you know, he's going to get a lot of pub, including my request to interview him this week going into the second game of the season because mm-hmm. I thought he set the tone. I mean, he was the guy who set the tone that, that you, you got the payback on the goal line in three straight downs because a guy like Jaden Dolkey said, this is what we are on defense. We're going to hit you no matter where you are, who you are. That first hit was on Geno Lewis. Yeah. You know, one of the all-stars in the league. Didn't matter. He just drilled him. So, I, outstanding. Dolkey was fantastic. Uh, Milligan is the best halfback in the CFL off the top of my head. I know people will argue that, but Roland Milligan uh, had an interception, a beautiful athletic play, had a great tackle on a sweep to Kyron Moore, and, of course, made the stop on third down and play special teams, too. I love that guy. Yeah, his football knowledge is not getting enough, he's not getting enough credit for it because – um, he, he, on the goal line, he had a little subtle shift. There was a pulling receiver trying to block him, and there was a tight end type receiver trying to block him. He shifted from the tight end real subtle, uh, just enough so the tight end wasn't sure if it was his man, but he didn't shift far enough that the pulling guy that was the kickoff block was going to pick him up, and he shot the gap and made the play. I just thought that takes football savvy Second to none. Outstanding. Hey, Glenn, how, how do you feel about Taylor Cornelius after that one? He'll make a beautiful throw like the Ju- uh, uh, Eugene Lewis touchdown, which, by the way, was an all-around great football play. Perfect pass, yes. perfect catch, and you can't fault Jeremy Clark because he was in position and just you know fell down on the play. That was perfect. But then... He has a crossing route to, uh, it was Dylan Mitchell, who's in behind Larry Dean going left to right across the Riders' formation. It, it's a simple pitch and catch that a well-paid professional quarterback should make. He hits him on the back of the leg, the ankle, so it's not even catchable. Uh, you've got to make that throw as a professional quarterback, and there's too much of that with this guy, in my opinion. Well, he hasn't shown it yet. Like, I, like I've, I've said about him, you know, you, you, you talk about the guys who have had a little enough, enough playing time where you can see they have flashes and you can see the big arm and you can see that throw to Geno Lewis where you put a nice, put air under it so he could make the play on the jump ball. You know, like you, you see a lot of that. You saw him run for 500 yards last year. He was reluctant to run in this game. That was one thing. And also his inconsistency. He, you just cannot win that way. So he, the jury is still out on Taylor Cornelius. It, it really is. I mean, I know the coach loves him there in Edmonton, but I, I just, I'll tell you what, until you do it, it is just speculation. It is just, you know, a coach saying this, this, this guy's got a high ceiling. Okay, well, mm-hmm. until, until we see it, it's still straight on the floor right now. I, it wasn't terrible. And all the offenses in the league can can be better because offenses are often a little bit behind the defense to start a season. However, 
some of those throws. That one you mentioned to Dylan Mitchell across the middle. You you just can't do it and win games. Number one minute to go. Sorry, uh, let's talk about number twelve in Calgary. You were there to watch it. Uh, listen, Jake Mayer, lot lot on lot on him, man. And since he signed the big deal, he hasn't been the same Jake Mayer. And now he doesn't have the safety net. Bo Levi Mitchell. Should Calgary be concerned? Well, I, I think it's too early to, to be real concerned about either guy, Taylor Cornelius or, or you know, Jake Mayer. But, he again, uh, you know, he's got the keys now. I mean, remember Dane Evans? Dane Evans looked really good when he was working with Jeremiah Mazzoli, and he, everyone said, including me, that, okay, this guy needs his own team. And then he got his own team, and all of a sudden that pressure changed, and now it wasn't quite as good. Hey, one other thing before we go. I, I think Jake Mayer's got to do what Cornelius, and he's, he, if they don't elevate their game, Alberta's in trouble. Both mm-hmm. those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, one quick one. I thought Kelly Jeffrey did a fantastic job of play calling, innovation. The Terrell Walker play innovative, awesome play. Like just the X's and O's of that, fantastic. And I thought. I'm not he- sure if it was his. I thought he did a great job with him and uh, Bolduke if they uh, collaborated and maybe the offensive line the coach uh, yeah. Vitali in the fourth quarter they changed their running style to salt that game away yeah. like the, the the blocking and and the concepts I thought that was pretty cool. Hey Glenn, we're out of time, man. You're going to be in town next, so we'll talk to you then. Okay. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Take care. That's Glenn Suter. First uh, of two hits this week. I think his next one, he'll be in studio because he's here uh, with TSN for the big game on Friday. That'll do it for our show for Saskatchewan Lotteries. I'm off tomorrow um, uh, at my uh, partner's son's uh, convocation, but Zinger will be in the big chair along with Blaine Weil, and I'll be back on Thursday. Thanks for listening. You can check us out in podcast form. We will talk to you on Thursday, but we'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.